Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby of Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't going to tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Without further ado, if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to uh, Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. We are in the last day uh, of a, you, you thought that was going to be a hellfire and brimstone, didn't you? It was the last day. Well, we're getting close to that day. Every day is another day closer. But we are in the last day of a series called the Magnificent Seven. We've been talking about the spiritual gifts listed in Romans chapter 12. Uh, they, let's see if I can do it this time, Abe. Uh, let's see, the, the seven spiritual gifts are prophecy, serving, uh, teaching, encouragement, uh, giving, mercy and compassion, and leadership. That, that's all off the top of my head. You try that. <laughs> so anyway, we've been, everybody's been given a gift that, that, that has accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And that gift is not for you to use and go out and use on your own. It's to spread the word of God. It's to be used to, to bring the church together. It's the body of Christ. It's the seven different ways of, of, of doing things. And each gift is a little bit different. And, and what I see, most churches that have problems, you know where their problems come from? is because they've got a great body of believers that everybody wants things done their way according to their spiritual gift. You've got people that serve that say, oh, we've got to be, you know, we've got to serve. That's the only way to do it. Well, you know, sometimes that's not the only, that, that is one way to do it. But we need to use these gifts to come together to do great things, okay? So we are in the last day of that. Last week, I, I started a story. I told y'all about how um, a guy had contacted me, a stock contractor. He wanted to put on a rough stock rodeo in Fort Stockton, Texas, and that's where I moved up from. And I wasn't a preacher at this time or anything. I don't even remember how he got my name and number, but I said, yeah, I'll help you. So I entered the rough stock rodeo. There was going to be bareback riding, saddle bronc riding, bull riding, and a wild horse race. And so I had ridden bareback uh, while I was at Texas Tech. I was not a good bareback rider. As a matter of fact, uh, they advised me just to save my money and not ride anymore because I stunk. Okay, I was, not a good, I was not a good bareback rider. But I had ridden in college, and so I had kind of done like I did last week. I was Conor McGregor last week with the shoot, telling everybody how, how good we were, and we got smoked, which is good. It served our purpose. I was kind of cha-ching, right? Just like Conor McGregor. He didn't care if he lost. He took home $10 million. We did not take home $10 million, but next year maybe. So anyway, it was kind of like that with the Rustock Rodeo. I, you know, all of my friends were going to be there. My family was going to be there. My coworkers were going to be there. And I wanted to do good. So the day of the rodeo came, and, and, and they put the draws up that, that tells you what horse you're going to get on. And I walk up. And there's like 26H or so. I don't remember what the draw it was. It's not important. But I went up to the guy that I was helping, the stock contractor. And I was like, hey, man, which one's 26H? And he just laughed at me. I was like, what's so funny about that? He said, that horse has never been ridden. Congratulations. Now, I, I'm, not, I'm not a good bareback rider. And I just drew a horse that had been bucked out like 28 or 30, 32 times. I don't really remember. But it was, it was more than a couple and it had never been ridden before. And, and so the stock contractor's laughing at me. So I'm nervous anyway. Well, now I'm petrified, right? Because I've been talking nine kinds of, look, come watch me ride. And I knew I stunk, but anyway, I'm going to try and get ticket sales in the door, you know. And so anyway, the time came. They, they loaded my horse in the chute. And guess what? 
that Palomino horse was the first one in, and the shoot boss says, this one's going out first, so I got to get my rigging on, and they're fixing to start the national anthem. You know, they're, oh, say can you pee? Because that's what I was doing, okay? I, I was, yeah, I was, I was nervous as all get out. And so I'm putting my rigging on, and I got my rosin, and you, you put this rosin stuff on your hand, if you, if you don't know, because it makes, you, it makes your hand sticky. So I rub some on my butt just to be on the safe side. Any help that you can get, right? So I, I'm getting ready. And, and you know, with, with bull riding and saddle, bro, or with bull riding and, and bareback riding, they'll say slide and ride, because the last thing a bull rider does and the last thing a, saddle bro, or a bareback rider does is they slide up whenever they nod so they can get their mark out on, on uh, bareback. But anyway, so I'm sitting way back, and they're doing the national anthem, and then the national anthem go, you know, gets done, and, and the prayer gets done, and I'm praying, and the announcer, you know, is like, okay, we got a hometown cowboy, Kevin Weatherby's up first. And, you know, I mean, people were just going crazy. Women are jumping in the arena trying to get to me. It was crazy. And uh, I didn't expect that. And uh, anyway, so I'm real, real nervous. And so I got my hand in the rigging and everything. And so the horse was facing the out gate. It was like three shoots, the out gate, three more shoots. And a buddy of mine climbs up on top. You know, he's working the out gate. He climbs up. He goes, hey, Weatherby. I'm like, yeah. He said, uh, you going to ride this thing? I said, yeah, I'm going to ride it. And they opened the gate. I was not ready. I, I mean, I hadn't even finished peeing yet. I mean, it was like, it was, and I mean, so God reached down and he held that horse for just a second because I saw that thing slide and I just screamed like a little girl, pulled, tried to get my mark out. And right as I got my feet set, that horse come out and blew up and it was like I was on a piece of dynamite. It came out. And I was laid back, and I was making a heck of a ride for about one second. And I knew right away, if I continued along that path, that I was going to embarrass myself more. So I did what any good cowboy does. You hang on at any cost. So I deed up, which means you punch your, you know, you're supposed to be laid back like this. I put my feet down, hooked my spurs in the cinch, and rode it like a bull. And the buzzer rang. I'd done it. I had covered the unrideable horse. People were screaming. We were running over ladies that were still in the arena. It was crazy. Here comes a pickup man. I had never got off on the pickup man because I'd never rode that long. He came up beside me, scared me so bad, I jumped off the other side. Picked myself up. Went sauntering back. Gave him a little, little tip to the crowd, helped the lady up, kept going. And the first guy, you know, people are going crazy. Oh, he did it, he did it, it's covered the unrideable horse. I'm walking back, and the first guy I see is the stock contractor. And I go walking past him, and he looks at me, and he goes, well, I guess you did good. He, he said, you did good. Well done, cowboy. Well done. What is covering a horse that has never been ridden? 
have to do with the Magnificent Seven? What does it have to do with our spiritual gifts and using those to edify the church, to bring the church together so that the church can accomplish its mission? When we use our gifts for others, we become winners. We conquer the unrideable horse. We become champions of God's army. And in Romans chapter 12, verse 21, the Apostle Paul says this, at the very end of a chapter that just deals with spiritual gifts on everything, he ends this thought process with this simple sentence. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. There's no great revelation. There's no how-to list of saying, well, what you do is you go out and you do this, 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 and this is good, and this is good, and this is good, and this is good. It's all open-ended. All he says is don't let evil conquer you, but you conquer evil by doing good. There's no formula. There's no equation. There's no process. He just says conquer evil by doing good. But to understand this concept, we must ask the right question. The question is not what good things must we do to be conquerors. It's how do we do these good things to conquer evil? How to become a magnificent seven conqueror. How do we do that? The very first thing that you have to understand if you're going to conquer evil by doing good is you are going to have to do it anyway. There was a thousand excuses that ran through my mind that day I got on that Palomino horse. You know, I, I thought that you know I, I could fake an injury so that I didn't get so that I didn't fail so that nobody would see me buck off. There was a thousand things that went through there. But if you want to do good things, you just got to do it anyway. In other words, leave the butts out. Leave the excuses out. There's a million excuses. Think about this. How many times do we know that God is leading us to do something, but instead of doing that, we just make an excuse of why we shouldn't do that. Maybe we say so. Maybe we're afraid. I'm afraid all the time. I'm afraid all the time because you know what? I don't know what I'm doing. The single largest cowboy ministry in the nation and the guy that started it most of the time doesn't have any idea what he's doing. And, and, and there's a lot of times that I'm afraid. But I have to do it anyway. You can't just not do what God called you to do because you're afraid. I'm, you know, some people might say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm broken. You know what? We're all broken to some extent. You've had a hard childhood. You've had a hard marriage. You've been through some tough situations. You've overcame so much stuff. And, and most of us just say, you know what? I just need a break. No, you don't. You need God. Do it anyways. Some people say, well, I can't. Well, you're right. You can't. But you would also be right if you said, I can do this. Because whatever you say, it's kind of like the old adage in, in, in rough stock or riding bucking horses, you're going to hit right where you look. You look off at the ground, that's exactly where you're going to hit every time. And if you say, I can't do it, well, you're right. You can't do it. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't. 
you'd be right if you said, I can do this. A lot of people say, well, I, you know, I, I just, I don't know how. So, shoot, that never stopped me because one of the qualities of being a cowboy is to have an over-exaggerated sense of self-confidence. We don't know what we're doing, but we can't. <laughs> if you ever want a cowboy to say, to do something, you just tell him, well, I don't think you could do this, could you? Well, by gosh, I sure can. You don't even know what it is. Doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Do it, do it anyway. Doesn't matter if you know how. I don't know how to run a ministry. So I let God do it, and I just try to follow him. Sometimes I do good, sometimes I don't, but I still do it. You do what God is calling you to do. And it doesn't matter if you're afraid. It doesn't matter if you know how. But I'm too, insert whatever adjective you want. Well, I'm too old to start a new ministry. Well, I'm too young to start a ministry. Or, you know, I'm too this, I'm too that. Whatever word you put in there as an excuse for you not to do what God has called you to do is a lie. And it's a lie you're telling yourself. You are not to anything. If God is leading you to do it, then you need to do it. Do it anyway. Some people say, well, you know, when, when I get a better job, I'm going to do it. Or I'll, you know, I, I'll do this whenever, whenever my kids get out of school or when my, when my child is out of college or, or, you know, after my grandkid isn't, you know, two years old or, or whatever. Folks, the future, waiting on the future, time does not change anything except the date on the calendar. If you're not willing to do it today, you're not going to do it at some magical point in the future. If God is leading you to do it, then you need to do it. Yeah, but they, I get it. People aren't going to understand what God has called you to do. Do you really think that anybody thought that I was a genius for leaving the ranch that I wanted to live on the rest of my life sell everything I own, and move to a little podunk town called Kiowa, Colorado, and we're going to become the largest single cowboy ministry in the nation? People would have thought I was insane. But I didn't care what they say. You shouldn't care what they say. You do what God told you to do. And the things that he's called us to do are good things. And I'm not going to tell you what that good thing is because that good thing is going to come from God and it's going to be for you. Do it anyways. That's the first thing. If you're going to do good things and you're going to conquer evil, you've got to do it anyway. There can't be any excuses. The second thing is, you've got to do your best. Even if that means d'ing up and sticking your spurs in the cinch and being unconventional about getting your horse rode, you do your best, whatever that is. Because if you're not willing to do your best, then you're better off just not doing it. And that will eat on you much longer than a supposed failure ever will. I would rather fail than not do it. I would rather fail than not do it. And, and, and if I do fail and I did my best, I'm good then I learned something. I learned why it failed. It doesn't matter. We do it anyway. And we do our best. Because here's the thing. Things aren't always going to go your way. The gate's going to open before you're ready. 
The pickup man's going to come, and you're going to get off on the wrong side. You're going to have a bad draw. You're going to have a, a ducking steer. Your steer's going to stop. I don't know what your situation is, but it's not always going to go your way. But do your best. The third thing, if you want to conquer evil by doing good, first, you're going to have to do it anyway. You can't, you can't come up with an excuse not to do good things that God has called you to do. And then when you do it anyway, you need to do your best, not just some half-hearted effort. You want to know what a half-hearted effort is? Come doctor cattle with us because usually it's the guy that heads that has to do the groundwork. So we all throw with Tyrannosaurus Rex arms. Oh, I missed. You rope it, Ty. Oh, I missed. You rope it, Abe. Abe hadn't been around long enough. He always heads them. He'll learn. But seriously, we should do our best every single loop that we throw in life. Do our best. The third thing that you've got to do to do good is to do your part. Do your part. Quit worrying about what everyone else is doing. You do your part. You ride your bronc. You don't worry about everybody else's draw. You don't worry about the gate openers. You don't worry about the judges if they can see your mark out, if they're in the best position. You don't worry about that cute blonde running across the arena towards your chute. You just do what you are supposed to do and do your part. Don't worry about if the announcer got your name and hometown right. You do your part. You don't have to worry about everybody else. You don't have to worry about what anybody else is doing. If you're, I've learned so much about Christianity from my children. And God always speaks to me through my own fatherly wisdom. You know, whenever I tell one of my kids, hey, you know, uh, I want you to do this. Well, so-and-so doesn't have to do that. I don't care. You don't worry about so-and-so. And then later on, God tells me to do it. I'm like, but, but, but. He's, and God said, you don't worry about what I got everybody else doing. You do your part. We don't need to worry about what, what the prophecy gifts guys are doing or the leadership or the service or whatever. You do your part and use your gift for the glory of God. And do it anyway. And do your best. Do your part. And whatever you do, don't worry about the score. Don't worry about the score. I walked by that stock contractor, and he kind of laughed, and he said, You did good, cowboy. You done well. Scores coming in for Cowboy Kevin Weatherby. Let's give it up. He got a 48. <laughs> yeah, if you know anything about rough stock riding, it might have been better if I did fall off. Because a 48 ain't going to win nothing. Okay? And, and that's the score I deserve because I didn't, I didn't ride the horse like you ride a bareback. It might have been a better, it would have been a better bull riding score. I, did, I had a pretty good bull riding form. I really did. But see, we don't need to worry about the score. 
You don't have to worry if you come in last place like I did that day. Want to know why? Because of the last thing about doing good. Folks, you got to just do it for yourself. You got to do it for yourself. I seriously doubt one single person at that rodeo that day remembers my ride. But I do. The judges and the critics that judge you on how well you did, they're going to leave. They're going to critique the next guy. They're going to judge the next guy. They will never remember what your score is. But you will. In the grand scheme of history, the good deeds that you do will not be remembered. But the person that you did them for will remember. And you will remember. Do it for yourself. Nobody else is going to see you when you stop and change that tire or, or when you write that check out to, to an organization or, or you go help somebody when their hay pile burns. Nobody's going to remember that. But you will. But you will. And there's one other person that will remember everything that you did. And that's the big man. Because one day, I don't care what you think you believe, one day you are going to stand all by yourself in front of the boss and give an account of what you did. What will he say? Do it for yourself. Do it anyway. Do your best. Do your part. Conquer evil by doing good. And on that day, and it's going to happen for every single one of us, you're going to stand in front of the big man, and you're going to tell him what you did. And I pray to God, that on that day, he's going to smile and put a hand on your shoulder and say, well, you did good. You did good. Well done, cowboy. Well done. Let's go to God in prayer. God, we've reached the end of a series, but... That just means it's the beginning of a new ride with you. God, I know lately that I haven't done my best and I've made excuses and I've been greedy with my time, talents, and treasures. God, pick me up and dust me off and get me back in the action. And if the boot fits for someone that's listening as well, well, God, I pray that you lift them up and dust them off and get them back in it also. God, we need you. We can't do this without you. But we are going to do our best. We are going to do it anyway. We're going to do our part. And we're going to do it for ourselves, whether anybody likes it or not, because we're doing it for you. 
And you, God, is who we need each and every day. Let us do all things just like we were doing them for you yourself. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. We are going to Israel, okay? We want you to go also. It's going to be a phenomenal journey. It's going to be the trip of a lifetime for you. I want you to go. It's $3,200. I know that that's a chunk of change for most of us, but go anyway. You're going to make that money, and you're going to spend that money on something. Spend it one time on something that will change your life, of walking in the footsteps of Jesus to see in person what God has done. This is the most disputed piece of land on earth. And we're going to walk in it while we're here. And we're going to live in it after we're gone. With that being said, come talk to me. And uh, I'll give you more information. Or you can find more information at SaveTheCowboy.com. Hey, thanks for joining us for another clinic. Before you ride off, we have a special gift for you. Save the Cowboy has a brand new app available for iPhones and Android smartphones and tablets. You never have to miss another message, and we've thrown even more stuff in. There's a Bible, our full unedited clinics, Cowboy devotionals, videos. You can even order our books or call and talk to me. That's a ton of stuff that will keep you riding right beside the Lord for years to come. Please download it by searching your app store for Save the Cowboy, and don't forget to lend us a hand if God has blessed you and you like what we're doing. Just text Save the Cowboy to 77977. That's Save the Cowboy to 77977. For Save the Cowboy, I'm Kevin Weatherby. Stay out of the wire.